This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Good morning. Hope you had a great Easter after our service last Sunday. Hope you were able to spend time with friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, maybe even strangers. Uh, thanks for being here this morning, and thanks uh, to those of you who've tuned in to watch us online as well. Uh, my name is Mike Mobley. I'm one of the pastors here, and if I haven't got a chance to meet you yet, I'd love to be able to do that after the service today. Uh, we've been going through a series on the book of Ephesians. Corey has walked us through verse by verse. He's done a great job up to this point. Uh, walking us through the book, and that's how we want to preach here at Austin Life, is verse by verse through books of the Bible, Uh, because we believe everything in Scripture is profitable for us and useful, and we believe the Bible is 100% accurate and perfect. It's our authority as a church, and everything we do as a church better come from the Bible, and really everything you hear us say, test what we say to Scripture. Whether this is your home or you're a part of another church, do the same thing. Test what you hear according to the Bible. Read the Bible for yourself. That's your best guide in life, and it's our guide as a church. Uh, So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians 4. We're going to pick it up on Ephesians 4, 17. We've got a lot of ground to cover, so we're going to jump into it in just a second. If you remember a little bit of context of Ephesians, so Corey's talked about this. Uh, The book kind of starts off talking about how we are spiritually dead people. We're dead, spiritually. And there's nothing we can do to move us from death to life. But God, being rich in mercy, made a way for us through Christ. That's how we're able to move from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. Later on in the book, we learn that we have to bust down the walls of hostility. There's walls of hostility in our culture, in the city, and sometimes the church doesn't do a good job kind of bridging that gap and just loving people well and sharing the gospel. We've got to be able to break down walls of hostility. And unfortunately, there's other walls of hostility in the church. There's pretty much nothing worse than someone on the outside of the church looking in and seeing Christians divided and fighting. No one wants to be a part of that. I would not want to be a part of that. I don't think you would want to be a part of that. We've got to be able to bust down the walls of hostility outside the church and inside the church. And then a couple weeks ago, we learned that everyone is made with a purpose. Everyone is wired. You all have gifts and abilities God has given you specifically to serve the body and to serve the city. This, uh, here, you're, here at this church, you know, you need to get in the game. There's roles for you here. But if you're a member of another church, you, you need to be in there too. So just if you think kind of like a human body, we're all members of one body. Some of us are going to be a right arm. Some of us are going to be like a big left toe or whatever. They're both useful. You need your big left toe, right? Because you're going to fall over if you don't have your toe. Everything is useful, right? Everyone has gifts and abilities to serve, and it's on us to get in the game and serve according to how God has wired us. So that brings us to Ephesians 4:17. So if you turn with me to that or fire up your Bible app, here we go. So Paul says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves over to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. 
Paul is making the point here and reminders for those that are in Ephesus and for us too, not to walk with darkened minds. Those who have hardened their hearts are those who reject the knowledge of God. The more we reject what God has to say, slowly and surely our hearts start to become hardened. And we can actually start to become callous. Another way of saying callous is kind of being insensitive and being cruel to one another. Slowly and surely, if we were to do something like that, our hearts become hardened, and then we start giving ourselves over to things like sexuality, pleasures, greed. Honestly, at that point, once we kind of give ourselves over, the door is wide open to sin, however much we're going to sin. I became a believer later in my life in my lower 20s. And so all, most of my life leading up to that point, I kind of just lived and did whatever I wanted to do. It sounds maybe bad or selfish, but I did. I just, I did whatever. I chased multiple jobs, different careers, chased dreams, did acting, relationships, partying, whatever you'd call it. Life kind of revolved around me, and I just did what I wanted to do. What I didn't realize what was happening when I look back is I was actually hardening my heart and becoming callous towards others. I was starting to become insensitive and cruel because I would hear people kind of complain and go through hard times in life, and I would think, like, what's your, like, what's your problem? Like, life is great. You can just make it whatever you want it to be. Like, why you got to be like a negative Nancy all the time? But I was being insensitive with that. I was rejecting the wisdom of God, and I was accepting the wisdom of myself. It wasn't until later when I decided to follow Jesus, everything changed. The first few years of being a believer were really, really hard for me. I don't know if you've heard the notion. Sometimes there's a notion out there that says when you come to Jesus, life just kind of becomes perfect. And maybe that's happened for you. I'm a little jealous of your situation if that happened for you. But that wasn't the case for me. Life was actually pretty tough because you have to learn, okay, i got to actually change the way I'm living. I can't just keep living for myself. I've got to learn what is sin and what's holiness and how do I change. So discipleship was a big deal for me the first few years. And that's why we have community groups here. It's why we have discipleship groups. Without that discipleship and left to ourselves in isolation, we're not going to be able to grow as a Christian. We're not going to be able to learn what it looks like to walk like Christ. And sometimes we need each other to call each other out on our sin. It's like, hey, that's wrong. Like, you're thinking the wrong way. We need community. So going to verse 20, Paul turns a corner here kind of in this passage. He says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We're told to put off our old selves which who we were before Jesus, it's kind of hard for us to think of ourselves this way. We were corrupt, and we were deceitful. It says that our hearts in Jeremiah 17, 9 are deceitful above all things, and they're desperately sick. We, left to our own feelings and our own hearts, we can deceive ourselves, and our hearts are desperately sick. They're, they're sick before Jesus came into our lives, for those of you who follow Jesus, and they're still sick. We still need help. We still need renewal of our minds and our hearts to change. Left to our feelings, they're ultimately going to deceive us, and they could destroy us. It's kind of why we need to be on guard for when we think of, when we kind of say things like this to ourselves. We go, I'm not really feeling like doing that today. You know, I'm not really feeling like reading the Bible. I'm not really feeling like being a little uncomfortable 
right? We just don't quite feel like doing it. I don't really feel like walking across and talking to that person or inviting them to my home. Those feelings are going to deceive us. But the way we learn Christ and the way we're changed after choosing to follow Jesus is by the renewal of our minds. We need to be changed from the inside out because we start off deceitful and corrupt, so you can't come at that from the outside. We have to have inner transformation from the inside out. So quick poll, hopefully you'll join me in this poll, otherwise it'll look a little ridiculous. How many of you struggle with, I'm, I'm right here with you, how many of you struggle with worry? Right, have you ever worried about something? Doubt? Have a little anxiety? There's a, well, there was a yes on that one. That means anxiety. It's a big deal. It's true. I'm right there with you. Here's the deal. The enemy knows exactly how to attack us. He knows how to attack you and me. And while he has lost the war, here he knows he's lost. His goal is to destroy us. And one of the main ways he's going to do that is he's going to come after your mind. He's going to come after my mind. He's going to say things like this. Are you sure you're a believer? Even after you continue sinning like that? I can't believe you would think that about that person. Look, you didn't even read your Bible today or this week. Does God really care for you? You know God isn't really there for you at the end of the day, right? How could God do that and still love you? Life is never going to get better. You're a failure. Just end it. These are very hard words to hear, and they are crushing. If you're going to take one thing away from today, and there's a lot of verses we're covering, please take away this moment. These are lies. They're not true. When, not if, when you hear these in your mind, they are not true. They are lies from the enemy. We have to replace accusations with the truth of God's word. He says, are you sure you're a believer? Yes, we can be sure we're a believer. We learned about that in Ephesians 1. As soon as you come to Christ, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, the promise guaranteeing our inheritance. If God seals something, you better believe you're not going to be able to break it. If God guarantees something, you're not, it's a guarantee. We can trust it. We can be sure we're a believer. We can in confidence say, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven because I'm a follower of Jesus and what Jesus has done for me. That's not cocky. That's just biblical confidence. When he says, even after you continue sinning like that, oh, yeah, you're still going to fall short. You're still going to sin. Christ died on the cross for your past, present, and future sins. It doesn't mean you're going to stop sinning. It doesn't give you a free pass to keep sinning, of course. We wouldn't do that. But you're still going to make mistakes. I can't believe you think that about that person. Okay, sure. Judgmental things will pop in our minds. It's not, the, it's not because it popped in our mind that makes it the sin. That's what we do with that. Things are going to pop in our minds all the time. Just because that popped in our mind doesn't mean we're this horrible person. Do we act on the judgmental thought is another topic, but just because it pops in there, that's okay. Take your thoughts captive before the Lord, put that before the cross, move forward. Does God really care for you? Look at the cross. He sent his only son to die for you and me. You better believe he cares for you. God wishes that everyone comes to repentance, not for them to perish. You know, God isn't really there for you at the end of the day. I'm just going to flat out say he is there for you every day. 
You have the promise of the Holy Spirit who's with you, who comforts you, who teaches you, who guides you, who teaches you the word. He's there every single day. You may not feel him. Your feelings, again, may deceive you. We, sometimes we think, I'm not feeling the Lord today. I'm not really feeling like a believer today. That's fair. You may not feel like a believer. You can still be a believer, though. You may not feel like Jesus is with you, but he's still with you. You know, you may not feel like, I don't know, you just may not feel it. You may be going through a blah season, but the Holy Spirit has not left you or me for those who follow Jesus. He's there for you every day. How could God do that and still love you? We don't always understand God's ways. His ways and his thoughts are much higher than ours, and that's a good thing. We don't want to be on the same level as God. If I could figure God out, I would be really concerned about following a God like that. I, I'm kind of encouraged. You know, it's kind of mind-blowing when you think about it because our minds can't comprehend it, but I'm kind of encouraged that we can't figure out God. So when, that, when things happen in our lives, we don't understand what God is doing. We have to back up and take the context of Scripture and his character and go, okay, he's still a good and loving God, so I don't know what's happening right now, God, but I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to put one step in front of the other. We can't always know everything that's going on. Life is never going to get better. You're a failure. Just end it. We're still in a sinful world, and we're still sinful people, and we're not promised that this life here is going to get better. It actually might get worse. But we have the hope of Christ in us. For those of us who follow Jesus, we've been forgiven. He's already won. We have the Holy Spirit with us to help us. We look forward to the day where Jesus will return and we'll be made new. Sin will be no more. He'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. You're not a failure. God is proud of you, I'm just going to say. Because he sent his son. And when he sees us, for those of us who follow Jesus, he sees his son first. He sees the sacrifice his son has made, and so he welcomes us into a relationship with him. It's kind of weird sometimes to think God is our father because we kind of compare it kind of quickly to our earthly parents. And we have, there's many great earthly parents out there, but they're still going to fall short. It's hard for us to understand what a perfect father relationship would be with us. But he cares for us, he loves us, and one of the biggest things I could tell you is keep going. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Put one step in front of the other. Go one day at a time. It's okay to worry and have doubts and be anxious. It's okay. It's, you're normal if you have those struggles. Anyone who acts like they don't have that struggle, I'm not going to really trust that person, okay? Like, it's okay. It's okay to do that. Like, be okay with that. Give yourself some grace. It's not okay to stay there. We can't live in isolation and get caught always worrying and always doubting. We've got to move forward. There really are answers in the Bible. We're not called to live a life of corrupt, deceitful desires, but more of holy lives being renewed as new creations. We've been changed. We might as well have been given a new name when we came to Jesus. That would be kind of interesting, by the way. But we're, we're, we're new creations. When accusations come our way, we replace them with the truth of God. We have a four-year-old boy at home and a six-year-old girl, Matthew and Peyton. And any of you who have kids or if you have close siblings, when there's two kids in the home that are really close in age, you kind of understand the dynamics of they love each other one second and then they hate each other the next second. And they're constantly fighting and it drives people crazy. Um, the other night, it drives me crazy. The other night, I heard Matthew and Peyton kind of arguing. It's kind of a typical evening for us before bed. 
And Matthew comes in the room. He, you can tell he's kind of been crying for a while. And as a parent, you've got to learn, okay, I've got to take this seriously. Like, this kind of looks a little silly, the way it's being presented, but you've got you to have a good poker face. Because if you start laughing, you're going to, like, crush your child. Who wants to do that? So he comes in. He's been crying. He looks up at me, and I kind of get this feeling, okay, this is going to be a serious moment. We're going we're gonna to bond here for a second. He's like, Peyton called me a poopy head. Okay? So... I'm still learning this, but as a parent, you can't laugh in these moments. Super difficult. How many people walk up to you and say, I've been called a poopy head today, and how are you not going to laugh at that? But in Matthew's world, he's been called a poopy head, and that's a huge deal to him. I think it's a little silly, but for him, it's his reality at four years old. Sometimes, of course, kids come to you, they try to get someone else in trouble, but other times they're genuinely hurt. Matthew needed to be reassured that he is indeed not a poopy head, but there's more value to him than that. We need the same thing when accusations are thrown our way. We've got to replace them with the truth. So how do we do this? Paul talks about it going straight into verse 25. He says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. We've got to speak truth to one another and continue to remind each other of the gospel even on a daily basis. We've got to be in our Bibles daily. The battle for us is in the basics as Christians. John Piper is popular for saying something like this. Basically said, if you want to hear from God, read the Bible. And if you want to hear from God audibly, you can hear from God audibly today, right now, read the Bible out loud. You will hear from God if we read our Bibles. The Word of God is living and active. It discerns our thoughts. It helps renew our minds every time we read it. It's not just like another book. We, there's lots of readers out there. I'm sure you can read these books. Once you start reading the Bible, there's a living thing that takes place here. That's one of the main ways we renew our minds. In verse 26, not all anger here is considered sin, but rather we can't be consumed with anger, right? We can't let the sun go down on that. If you've ever experienced that before, it carries over to the next day. We kind of wake up still consumed with that anger, and the longer we kind of let it fester, you know, between us or maybe in our relationship with the Lord, that's where the enemy loves to come in and use that to his advantage to hurt us. That's why in our relationships, our friendships, if there's a conflict among any of you at all, or some form of anger, talk about it. You've got to talk about it. Don't just think it's going to blow over or fizzle out. You've got to have the conversation. Don't waste time. If there's a conflict you're experiencing today, don't waste time. Be a peacemaker. We're called to be peacemakers as much as we are possible. Strive for peace. Verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The thief here shows us how to repent. Repentance means not just stopping the sin, but turning from the sin towards holiness. There's two parts to it. The thief not only has to stop stealing, but then he has to start honestly working and learning how to share. So verse 29, this is a tough one right here. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Paul gives another example here of repentance. 
not only do we have to stop with the corrupt talking, but we have to start talking with what is good for building others up. Corrupting comes here from the Greek word sapros, which can apply to mean bad, as in rotten fruit or rotten fish. It's kind of gross when corrupt talk comes out of our mouths. In James, uh, James 3, talks about the power of our tongues, the power of our words, so powerful, in fact, it can be compared to kind of a small rudder. I don't know much about ships, but apparently there's a really tiny rudder, and it can control the entire direction of the ship, right? That's how powerful our words can be. I don't know if you've experienced this before. When someone says, says something nice to you, like a compliment, it kind of builds you up. It kind of puts wind beneath your wings and sets you on a, on a path for the rest of the day. I don't know why I said that. But it's wind in your sails, not beneath your wings. I meant sails. Gosh, that was bad. Anyway, it does, right? It just it, it makes your day. Likewise, if someone says something negative and they cut you down, that could kind of ruin your day. It's kind of rotten, right? We may not find ourselves saying something corrupt out loud to someone in person, but we do this in other ways, right? So think social media, think kind of blasting the latest post or yelling at someone on a comment thread, shooting off a bunch of texts in the name of venting, not thinking through an email before we respond too fast, just kind of out of anger, out of emotion. What about the words we tell ourselves in our heads, even though we never say them outside of our mouths? This is really, really tough, and I'm guilty of this. It's super hard to do. It's tough to consider our words throughout the day and think, am I actually building others up, or am I really just building up myself, even when we're just joking around? Proverbs 26, 18 through 19 says, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. It can be a very deceptive thing to hide behind. I'm guilty of that. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Grieve here means to cause the Holy Spirit sorrow by our sin. If you kind of remember from chapter 1, we're talking again sealed for the day of redemption. We have that seal and promise of the Holy Spirit when we choose to believe and follow Jesus. And then going to 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Paul basically summarizes all the things we have to put away as believers, and he discusses the dangerous warning signs that start with bitterness. Some of the signs that our hearts are maybe not right today, we're going to be careless towards others, we're going to be angry, we're going to slander with our words, and we'll live with malice. Another way of saying that is the desire to do evil. But rather, as Paul says in verse 32, we're to be kind, tender-hearted, gentle, patient, calm, and ultimately forgiving towards others. Why? Because God has forgiven us through Christ. Listen, the only way we're going to be able to do all these things, that's a lot. This is a lot of, a lot of verses today. 
a lot of things for us to kind of apply to our lives. The only way we're going to be able to be kind, have words led with grace, not be angry, not be deceitful, having renewed minds, living a life of holiness, all these things is because Jesus has first demonstrated all of this to us. Jesus has first loved us. 1 John 4.19. Write this down. Memorize this one. It's one of the easiest passages ever. We love because he first loved us. It's simple, very powerful. It applies to many areas of our life. We do everything because Jesus first. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He paid the penalty for our past, present, and future sins. And then he rose from the grave three days later. We just celebrated this last week for Easter. Jesus has won. He's already won. The enemy has already ultimately lost. We followed, for those of us who follow Jesus, he's already won. That can motivate us to live lives of holiness each and every day, knowing the pressure's off. We're not having to earn our salvation. Jesus has done it for us. Now we have the opportunity to choose to follow him, be completely forgiven. For those of you who do follow him today, remember this. We are easily forgetful people. Five minutes after the service today, you're going to start thinking of something else. It's okay to think about where you're going to go eat next. I get that. I'm going to be thinking about that. But we forget in general. We forget. We struggle and go, why am I struggling with this? Because because we're still going to struggle. Life is not perfect yet. Am I really forgiven for this sin? Yes, you're forgiven for all of them. We are very free. We need to remember. We need tangible reminders to remind ourselves. We need each other to talk to truth to one another, and we need to be reading the Bible to remember. For those of us who haven't yet chosen to believe in Jesus and what he's done, you can, and you can right here and right now. Maybe you found yourself being deceived by a lifestyle that's ultimately failed you. Maybe you've been hurt. You might be thinking, is there anything more towards this life? And I'm here to tell you personally, there is. Pray. Pray to God. Tell him you believe in Jesus and what he's done for you. Choose to follow him for the rest of your life, and you'd be forgiven. You'd be forgiven right now. I was right there with you in the past. Okay, I heard the gospel in my lower 20s in a way I've never heard it before, and I had a lifestyle filled with partying, careers, dreams, relationships. All of them fell short, and I didn't understand why. I didn't get it. They were fun, actually. They were fun for a short season, later me realizing I was actually deceiving myself, but they didn't last. None of that lasted, actually. I realized through the gospel, Jesus could forgive me of all my debts. Not only forgive me, though, but make me a son of God. Give me the Holy Spirit and seal my redemption. Looking back, I can tell you the first couple years were really tough. I needed discipleship. But with everything I chased in my life, Jesus is the only one who's truly satisfied me, the only one who's been perfect every step of the way, He's never let me down, and I know he will never let you down. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can be renewed, that the pressure is off. Jesus, for those of us who follow you, that we don't have to earn our salvation. You didn't have to die on the cross 500 different times for us. You only had to die one time. God, help us remember this today. Grow our desire and our joy in you today. Even, God, when we're not feeling it, would you increase our faith? 
to know you really are there. You really are there for us. God, would you continue to work in the hearts and minds of all of us in this room that if we do follow you, remind us of this truth today. Jesus, if we don't follow you, would you reveal more of yourself? Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to continue to renew our minds. Make us more and more like you. And help us replace accusations with the truth. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.